Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Clean off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers. Lana Clellan striking from outside the penalty area. World-beating, big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scored! Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. What a day for Chelsea. The quadruple is on as they book their spot in the Champions League final in dramatic fashion. And there was absolute chaos on the pitch as everyone celebrated. The Chelsea staff all around me as well, hugging each other. And it's a huge moment. Chelsea are through to the final of the UEFA Women's Champions League. Massive win for Emma Hayes and her side, their first ever Champions League final. Chelsea forward Erin Cuthbert's with us to give us all the juicy gossip on the celebrations. Uh, there was more drama in the Barclays FAWSL as Arsenal left it late to grab three points against Everton. And Little scores! And the Arsenal captain might well have scored the goal in injury time to secure Champions League football for her team again next season. And a brace from Chloe Kelly sends Manchester City top of the table, but there were injury worries for the star. She looks like she's in serious pain here, Chloe Kelly. Her afternoon ends prematurely. All that, plus we chat to Crystal Palace midfielder Lee Nicholl about the social media boycott and turn our spotlight on Chelsea and England striker Bethany England. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2. Hello team, happy Monday. How are you all doing? Got some cracking guests for you. Fresh from her Champions League semi-final exploits. Oh, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Erin <laughs> Cuthbert joins us, Chelsea and Scotland Ford. How are you doing, Erin? Hello, I'm good. Thank you for having me again. Oh, thank you for coming on, especially after yesterday. We're going to get right into that in a second. I can't wait to hear what you got up to last night. Katie Wyatt from The Athletic, how are you? I'm all right. Are you okay? Yes, very well, thank you. I know you were, you were at King's Meadow uh, as well. With the social media boycott going on, we're all desperate to know exactly what happened uh, afterwards and all the dressing room celebrations. So come on, Erin, fill us in. <laughs> well, you need to wait till the boycott's over. I've got a few to post on social media, you see. Um, 
I got to keep the fans wanting, but it was it was amazing. The ch- the changing room was the celebrations were quite vivid and quite wild. But I think once once we all got out of the changing room, we were like, we're in a pandemic. What do what do we do? So I went home, watched Line of Duty with a cup of tea, and that was about the height. Of it. <laughs> Brilliant! And it was a letdown as well, wasn't it? Oh my goodness! Let's not let's not do an entire one hour Women's Football Weekly pod on Line of Duty. Me and producer Flo have already done that outside. Um, but in case anybody listening to the show live or, of course, to the show on the podcast doesn't know yet, a why are you listening to a women's football show if that's the case? Chelsea have qualified for the Champions League final. Uh, it was finished in the end yesterday at Kings Meadow in the second leg. Chelsea 4, Bayern Munich 1, which meant Chelsea go through 5-3 on aggregate. The first time Chelsea have made the Champions League final. And it was just a fantastic game. Katie, I, I know you were there. Um, I'll tell I'll tell Erin what I was watching her on the sidelines doing. She was literally kicking every ball on the subs bench it was hilarious but uh, from your point of view what what a fantastic spectacle of football yeah I mean first of all when you said uh, if you don't know by now I thought you were going to tell us who H was I thought that's where we were going um line of duty conversation but um no it was just one it was really strange because I was making loads of notes while the game was going on and then a few hours later I looked back on them and they weren't anything well written or very detailed they were quite sparse notes just about who had the ball when and who scored and it was funny because it was just like you were transported right back to how you were feeling in that game and I don't know what it was like for Erin because I just know me watching as someone who is obviously massively invested massively invested in the success of women's football the tension that I was feeling and the nerves that I was feeling I think that it was a few hours after until um, I stopped shaking because we were just rooting for that Chelsea team so hard and we knew how high the stakes were. We've seen them build and build and build over the years to come to this point with the squad that they've assembled and the style that they play and everything like that. So I think the way that it was going for so long, it was 2-1 and that was the scoreline that was going to take it to extra time and the number of chances that Bayern Munich had right at the end and Magdalena Eriksson doing the off the lines and we were thinking this was absolutely going for extra time and could Chelsea hold out and if Bayern Munich got another would Chelsea be able to get two in that time and then when Peniel Harder got that goal and then Fran Kirby added a second one right at the end you were thinking that it was just crazy how easy it ended up giving up how given how tense it was for so long in that game it was so tense from your point of view Erin what was it like sitting watching so much of it on the sidelines before you got on the pitch the worst experience of my life I'm not going to shy away from that it was absolutely awful knowing that you cannot control it you can't do nothing about it and when you're in the game you're focused and you're not thinking of not nervous or you're not thinking about the permutations of the game or anything but when you're on the bench you're thinking about that all the time and you know when Emma called upon me in in the 86th minute or something it was to, to come into the game I'm thinking oh no don't make a mistake here do not make a mistake um and then it was just coming on. It was constant pressure for Bayern. And I ended up just... See, I knew Fran would be on the line um, for the fourth goal. I knew she'd be waiting. And I saw the goalkeeper tackle me on the halfway line. <laughs> <laughs> what am I 
that's been nobody in the goal. So that was how crazy the game went. It certainly wasn't a 4-1 game, but I just think it's testament to, to the squad that we have this year. We always just find a way. And that's what I feel like the difference is this year compared to two years ago. Yeah, certainly. And and that pass was just sublime, the assist for Frank Kirby as well. And you must have known the second that you fed it through to her that that was going to wrap up the game. What was going through your mind as she was driving through on goal? Oh, just put it in the net, just put it in the net. She was getting close, the defender was getting closer and closer, but you just knew, you know, Fran, Fran scores them goals when there's a goalkeeper in the goal, never mind when there's no one in the goal. So um, I knew she'd do it. And at that point, I didn't even have the sort of feeling in my legs to run and celebrate. I just kind of fell at the floor and me and Neve Charles celebrated on our, on our owns and the referee blew the full-time whistle. And I was thinking, is this really real? Like, this is honestly a fairy tale. You know, I would... As much as I love to be in the Champions League final, you know, it coming true, you you can never replicate the feeling. It was honestly incredible and in the fashion that we've done it. And I just really, really wish the fans were there um, yesterday because that would have been an unbelievable atmosphere, honestly. Oh, it really would have been. And we've said that so many times this season, but as well with the social media boycott going on, you know, I, I was desperate for to just shout from the rooftops about what had gone on. And it was really interesting hearing what Emma Hayes had to say post-match as well. And we will listen to her uh, very shortly. But she was talking about the fact that for young girls watching... For them, seeing role models going to a Champions League final is so unbelievably powerful and we forget that sometimes. Yeah, and I think, you know, we just think about the football and getting there. But as a young girl, if I was never, ever dreaming of getting to a Champions League final. But, you know, now maybe every young girl in Scotland thinks, oh, if Erin can do it, then then I can do it. And I think, like Emma said, that is so, so powerful. And you forget how much of a role model you are. But it's that's role models bid success. And if you keep being successful, then people keep wanting to emulate me, emulate you. And I think that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, there's going to be plenty of wannabe coaches as well, wanting to emulate Emma Hayes as well, because it's the first time there's been a female head coach in the Champions League final in 12 years, would you believe? Uh, let's hear from an emotional Chelsea uh, coach after the game. Oh, you know, I, I, I wanted today so badly. I mean, it was the longest week in the world. I had to do everything to keep my emotions in check, keep training normal. I just wanted the game to come and um, I'm so happy it was an early kickoff. I've been in enough of these games now to know they're never straightforward and the game, you know, fair play to Bayern. I think they they were a tremendous opponent. Um, But the resilience in this group is just, just so unbelievable and again another just proud day being the manager of this team you can see I'm overwhelmed with emotion so I can't describe it I think I almost can't even let the tears go because I just feel like how do you describe the the pride you have for the club you represent for the people you represent um you know I'm very maternal figure very parental figure in in here and I'm so happy for everyone that's what my happiness is for not for myself yeah I'm proud of myself I'm happy just for everyone that's put a shift in for Drew's for Hannah's for Stewart's for Paul Green for Bruce for Marina for Roman everybody who's really really helped get us to this point 
That was uh, the Chelsea manager, Emma Hayes, there. I could, I could hear Erin uh, Cuthbert. Some pounding music going on in the background. What, what was blaring out of the dressing room while Emma Hayes was doing her post-match interviews? <laughs> there's been there's been quite a lot there was uh, you know song take me home country road that that song was being played we seem to have made that ritual in the last couple of rounds but uh, it's a bit of a remix and and we all went a bit mad and a little bit of sweet caroline um just things that you can build your heart out to you know us all being together in the changing room arms around each other it's so powerful and i think you can never ever sort of replicate those moments I think they come so, so rare. And yeah, we've got a game in two days, which is crazy. But I think yesterday was just all about celebrating what we had just done because it's not every day you get to a Champions League final. No, it certainly is. And you should all be so proud. And, and listen, you you know I'm a Luton Town fan. I'm not a Chelsea fan, but I, I always love watching Chelsea and, and, and seeing what you what you can do. And it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to watch you play this season in particular, but over the years. And as Emma says, it's it's been a real collective effort to get to this point but she always manages to deflect any attention from herself Emma Hayes but I don't really think and I'd love to know your point of view uh, Erin because it is a group collective effort but I'm not quite sure this club would be where it is today without Emma Hayes. No and I don't think I would be where I am without Emma Hayes I think that's pretty pretty clear how much she's nurtured me since I've been at the club um, so what she does with me, she does with everyone. So I think if everyone gives, you know, one percent more to the team, then it, it gets us to places like the Champions League final. We we were a little bit off a couple of years ago, and Emma's recruited, Emma's made changes in the background, Emma's fought for more resources for us at this football club because for us it's not just about players. It's you know that we've got amazing staff, and you know the staff have a lot, a lot of thanking to do from us. Um, and it's not just Emma, there's a team behind the team. And I think that has to be applauded as well because Emma's recruited that. And that is, you know, I think everyone just sees the players that Emma's recruited, but it's all about the team. And for us, it's been a massive, massive squad effort. And I think Emma's played such a big role in that. She's, her people skills is great. You know, you see the way she conducts her interviews, she conducts player interviews like that you know when you want to have a chat where she's always always open to having a conversation with you and I think honesty and trust between yourself and the manager is, is the most important thing and I think me and Emma have certainly got that and I think most of the team do as well. Yeah it certainly is I think um, Casey's got a question for you. Yeah I was just wondering Erin because obviously having done press conferences with Emma lots of times and been speaking to a lot of the Chelsea players throughout this season one of the things that a lot of them have said is that Emma's very good at being exactly what each player needs. So whether that's a maternal figure or that's a teacher or an arm around the shoulder or a bit of a disciplinarian. I wondered what she was like with you and what's her approach with you that has allowed you to come on and be the player that you have been, especially in the last two or three seasons. Good question. Um, Emma's very much tough love with me. She'll tell me if I'm doing well, she'll put her arm around me, but she'll also give me um, a kick when I need it. She'll tell me honestly how I've performed. I, I never ever want to be told, oh, you had a great game when you played rubbish, because then you don't have a good connection. And you don't have that trust between one another. I want to be told when I'm not good enough so that I can be better. And I think being told straight and honestly has really, really improved me. And I think me and Emma have a really, really good relationship and I enjoy sort of the trust that I have with her. 
but I think she can be very, very tough for me, especially since I joined the club. She's never, ever gave anything to, to me easily. It's always been I've had to fight for everything, and that's the way I like it because it's only going to improve me as a player, and I think I've got so much more to give, and you know, I keep Emma's keep challenging me every day to just keep pushing myself and, you know, strive in other areas. You know, it's not just about on the pitch. It's all about the stuff that I've been doing off the pitch, my nutrition, my recovery. She challenges me every day. She's like, are you, are you been doing that? Are you, have you done everything that you need to do? You know, she always puts that question on you. It makes you doubt yourself. Like, I have been doing everything, but has Emma's questioned me? So does that mean I'm, I've, I actually have done everything? So... She's she's quite strict that way, but I actually really like it because, you know, when I've went through some tough times with family or personal issues, she's always been there to put her arm around my shoulder and that's what I really like about her the most. Yeah, she's a fantastic man manager, isn't she, for, for, for sure. Um, the other Champions League final, uh, semi-final though, Erin, Barcelona beat PSG 2-1, so 3-2 on aggregate. The final is on the 16th of May. What have you made of, of Barcelona and how are you feeling about facing them in the final? Oh, what a game. What a game that is going to be. Um, the semi-final was incredible. I watched uh, the first leg and I've watched the highlights of the second leg and they're just such exciting games. Barca such an exciting team. So we're going to expect a lot of um, probably them to keep the ball a lot. You know, they've got very, very technical players, Spanish tiki-taka style of football. So, but we've got an English style of football. We are, we've got our own identity. So it's going to be a great matchup. And I think, you know, a Chelsea-Barcelona final, the first time we're going to get a new winner in like six years. I think, I think that's amazing for the women's game as well. Yeah, it really is. It's so exciting. And from a, from a player's point of view, do, do you feel as if this team have the confidence to go and win this final? You got the taste for it after what happened on Sunday? For sure, for sure we want more. You know, us celebrating getting into the final is there's sort of nothing about what it's going to be if, if we win the final. We all know what it means to us. You know, Pernilla Harder's in the team and it's a, her third final. So we're hoping for third time lucky for her. Um, we've all worked so hard to get to this point, but we're not happy just to settle for the final. You know, I'm, I don't want to come home with runners-up medal. That means absolutely nothing to me. So... I want to win the Champions League. I think this team has sort of built up a resilience where I feel like everything's on our side and we just can't get beat at the moment. Um, you know, even when we've played Wolfsburg, backs against the wall, Atletico away, backs against the wall, Bayern, you know, we've we've sort of defied all the odds. And, you know, you do need a little bit of luck, uh, a, a little bit of luck on your side when you play top teams. I think we're going to need that again on the 16th of May, but... I feel that this team just has that something extra and that's something that sort of no other team has. And I think that hopefully, you know, if we perform at our best, hopefully that's enough to get us over the line. Fingers crossed. Really looking forward to that game in a couple of weeks' time. And of course, it brings up questions about the quadruple as well. Um, and earlier on today, Max Rushton and Charlie Baker chatted to Emma Hayes on Talk Sport to ask her what she'll do if Chelsea do go on to win the quadruple. I think don't expect to speak to me for some time. I'll be found <laughs> on some park bench. <laughs> It's a great image. I, I, I really hold you to that, Emma. If you do yeah. win a quadruple... Tell us which park please, bench will join please you. Please just say, I know, park bench. <laughs> I will reverse hard over my mobile phone and I will disappear into the sunset with a stellar. No, go on, yeah, go on, 
<laughs> disappear into the sunset with Estella. Erin uh, Cuthbert, what will you do if you do go on to win the quadruple? And do you believe this team can go on and do it? Oh, Emma's absolutely bonkers, first and foremost. She really, really is. But I think you just, with us, and I think that's the beauty of us and the beauty of us competing in all four competitions this season is that we've never, ever looked too far ahead. I think we've always took every single game seriously. And I think the game we've got a game on Wednesday, we've got a game on Sunday that, you know, two games away for winning the league. And that's where we're at. The, the Champions League has now been parked. Of course, it's possible to win the quadruple because we're still in all four trophies. We've won one already. So, of course, it's possible. It's absolutely possible, but it's only possible if you take one game at a time. And that's what the team's been doing. And, you know, this week and for the next two weeks, it'll be focused on winning the league and then we can sort of focus on the Champions League. But um, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm excited. It's it, I feel lucky to be part of a team that's competing on all fronts. But that's only... The, the bar's only been set from training every day. You know, the training is so difficult, so competitive. So we've, we've put ourselves in this position. Yep, you certainly have. And uh, next hurdle, Tottenham Hotspur, as you say, on Wednesday night as well. Right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers. You've just been hearing the thoughts there of uh, Champions League finalist Erin Cuthbert and Katie Wyatt from The Athletic. Coming up, we'll round up the weekend's action. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Ruthers alongside Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert and the Athletics' Katie Wyatt with me today. Uh, don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app so you can download it today. Now then, there was some uh, Barclays FAWSL action this weekend. Uh, Manchester City 4, Birmingham nil is how it ended and it was non-stop from Manchester City from the first whistle as well. Chloe Kelly opening up the scoring within the first 10 minutes uh, after, I mean, she's just been superb this season, Lauren Hemp. Uh, great work from her. And then Kelly on the score sheet again uh, before she had to go off the field on a stretcher after a clash of knees with Rebecca Holloway. That is a big worry, particularly uh, with the Team GB squad announcement imminent as well. Uh, Caroline Weir's subsequent penalty that was awarded from that challenge uh, was then saved by Hannah Hampton, but City did get two more goals from Esme Morgan and Sam Mewis. I mean, they're top of the table now. Uh, we'll talk to Erin about that shortly. But Katie Wyatt, they've just been on such a fantastic run, haven't they, uh, of late after that dodgy start to, to the season. I know it's in Chelsea's hands, clearly, but they're pushing them all the way, aren't they? Yeah, and I think it's, without being very patronising to City, been a real achievement for them to make it as close as they have because I think a lot of people looked at that Chelsea side in pre-season with who they signed and with them having um, Fran Kirby, Sam Kerr, Bethany England, Neil Harder, Erin, um, so many wonderful attacking players and thought that the title is very much theirs to lose and especially after City's wobbly start when I don't think they necessarily knew how to use all of the attacking talents at their disposal. A lot of people probably thought that Chelsea were going to turn into a bit of a procession. So the fact that it has gone right down to the wire, albeit because Chelsea have obviously got the game in hands because of the Champions League, etc., is a real achievement on their part. And I think that these close title races are exactly what we're after in the WSL. Psychologically, though, Erin, what does it mean that, that City are top? And even though you do have the game in hand, you're, you're chasing them now. Yeah, we are, and you know, like like Katie said at the start of the start of the year, they they you know had a tough 
few games, but I think that was because of their manager and he was still implementing sort of their way and their philosophy. And I think we're starting to see that. They've played some brilliant football, but them now being top of the league, it puts a little bit of pressure on us. But I think, you know, we've got enough experience and sort of prowess in the dressing room to be able to deal with that. Um, but it's really exciting. You know, we, we've we been used to playing three games a week for as long as I can remember. So the squad's ready, the squad's prepared um, and we're all excited for the final week. Yeah, it, 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 I love the fact that it's coming down to the wire. The criticism always was with the Barclays FAWSL that it wasn't competitive enough, but this season has proved that that is definitely not the case anymore. And uh, one team that have turned their dodgy starts of the season around also are Arsenal. They left it late against Everton, but with 2-1 winners in the end. Uh, Kim Little with the penalty in the 94th minute. They had so many chances as well, Arsenal. Loads of possession, but just couldn't add to the lead that Katie McCabe had given them in the first half and it looked like Everton had managed to grab a point in the end when Megan Finnegan headed in an equaliser in the 74th minute. That actually ended Arsenal's run of eight clean sheets in a row, which is impressive enough. But it was then Finnegan who brought down McCabe and gifted that late penalty uh, that Little ended up scoring. But uh, interesting times at Arsenal at the moment, Katie Wyatt. What other news do we have? uh, Joe Montemuro obviously leaves at the end of the season. What's the gossip on on who might be going in? Um, I think it's very difficult to say at this point. I think they'll probably take as much time as they need with that recruitment process because obviously it's such a big job for whoever comes in. And it's been a strange season for them in that predictably they've been very, very dominant against the lower ranked um, WSL teams. But we have seen them start to fall behind in a way that I don't think necessarily we would have expected given their form a few years ago. The likes of Chelsea and Manchester City and even Manchester United caused them quite a few problems this season. So I think whoever does need to come in needs to be tasked with making sure that Arsenal are right back at the top where we're used to them instead of being the, the maybe the bottom of the big three or dropping down into that, that fourth to fifth place. It does make the Champions League exciting next season though, Erin, doesn't it? Because three teams uh, going in, Chelsea, uh, Manchester City, and it looks now like, like Arsenal as well, going to make that even more competitive. Yeah, I think it's amazing that three um, English teams are in the Champions League next year. We actually got to the semi-final of the Champions League two years ago and then missed out in the Champions League. So I think it brings more quality to the competition. You know, next season we're moving into a new format where there's going to be more and more games. So it's it's only adding to the quality and the overall quality of product that the Champions League is going to offer and I think there's going to be more sort of TV coverage around it as well because there is more English teams in it. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, now then on Reading, a special moment for uh, on Reading. <laughs> now then, on the, also on the weekend, uh, a special moment for Farrah Williams receiving a guard of honour and scoring a penalty in her final home game for Reading in their 3-2 win over Brighton uh, we talked a lot we had Farrah Williams on on Women's Football Weekly last week such a fantastic servant to the game I know she's really emotional uh, about hanging her boots up but has a fantastic career in, in coaching and in the media ahead of her for sure but receiving that guard of honour you know fantastic uh, for her Katie absolutely and very fitting that she got the first of the the five goals in that game um, because she's just been a wonderful ambassador for this game not only in terms of what she has done on the pitch and and a record that Jill Scott might surpass but we will not we will certainly not see many players in the course of um, anybody's lifetime reach 
172 England caps. Um, I think that also what she has done off the pitch in terms of not only the ambassadorial work that she's done about being honest about her homelessness and her mental health and all of the issues linked to that, but her kidney condition most recently, I think having a player who has always been so frank and so honest and never afraid to shy away from what she's been through and tell her truth and tell her story has been a real, real thing that the women's game should be really proud for, to have and proud to say that Farrah Williams is part of our sport and part of the fabric of this sport so I think that she'll be much missed in that sense as well as obviously a player who was one of the finest and at the forefront of what England were doing for, for so many years. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said, Katie, uh, for sure. I, I know, you know, many players have so much respect for, for Farrah Williams and, and what she's done. And as you say, very fitting. She scored the first of, of those goals. Danielle Carter on the score sheet as well. But Brighton hit back uh, with two quick fire goals. One of them a stunner as well from 35 yards out. And then Tash Harding got Reading's third goal, which proved in the end to, to be the winner. Um, and, you know, it's not quite finished as well as they would have liked, perhaps, at Brighton under Hope Powell, but still some positives to take for both of these these teams this season going into the final uh, game of the season uh, Bristol City though sucker punch for them uh, 1-0 defeat by Manchester United really cruel late Yana Daniels own goal uh, preventing them from picking up a very valuable point against Manchester United they can still stay up though if they beat Brighton on the last day of the season and Aston Villa lose to Arsenal where's your money going I'm not going to ask you this Erin because it's very cruel bearing in mind you play against these players week in week out but Katie Wyatt where's your money going on relegation this season? Yeah I mean first of all I do feel very sorry for Bristol because they really put up a good fight in that game and it was just that goal right at the death after they'd had plenty of chances to score that's really sort of done for them in that game. Um, My money would be if everything stays as it is on Bristol to go down just because the goal swing that would be needed realistically for, for them to stay up it's just probably too massive even against even with Aston Villa playing a team that are as prolific as Arsenal. But I think that the very interesting thing from their perspective is the potential lifeline that they've been handed now with Birmingham possibly looking at a points deduction for fielding an ineligible player without realising that would just be a ridiculous late twist um, Mm. in this season for a side that, as we know with Birmingham, well-publicised have weathered so many storms this season and to go down essentially on the back of an administrative error would just be heartbreaking for them, I think. No, it really, really would. And actually, I'm just going to apologise, especially because I think we've got Jilly Flaherty, West Ham captain, on with us next week uh, because last week I think I nailed my colours to the mast and and said I thought West Ham might go down, but then nil-nil draw with Aston Villa means they're effectively now safe on goal difference. Uh, so well done to Ollie Harder uh, and the team for that. Right, this is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Rothers. Erin Cuspert and Katie Wyatt are with me as well. Next up, Crystal Palace midfielder Lee Nicholl joins us to discuss the impact of the social media boycott. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers and keeping you company with me is Erin Cuthbert and Katie Wyatt. Now then, since Friday... Clubs across English football, governing bodies, broadcasters and many, many others have boycotted social media to combat online abuse and discrimination. It ends at 11.59 on Monday night. In December, the government announced details of its online harms bill to hold social media companies to account, but it's hoped a collaborative effort to boycott social media and say enough is enough could finally force some kind of action. Uh, now, I want to play this to you because earlier on today, Kick It Out's Troy Townsend was on TalkSport's White and Jordan show speaking about what still needs to be done to stop all forms of abuse on social media. They're not really interested in the way that football, you know, talks up in this space and the way that, you know, the players have been victimised and want to support each other and bring it to the fore to hold the social media platforms to account. So that online harms build, safety build back there, I mean, this is not new, new news. We've spoken about this with the government now for the best part of a couple of years. But I, I'm more interested in what is the timeline? When does it come to fruition? Who does it hold to account? You know, what purpose is it? What purpose does it have, you know? And from listening to some conversation over the weekend, it, yeah, it may deal with racism on these platforms, but it doesn't deal with sexism and homophobia. So for me, you know, what is its purpose then? And that's the thing that we've really got to now with the government who have a massive role to play here. Because, you know, along with the social media platforms, they've not challenged them well enough, hard enough. Um, and is it important enough for them to challenge, you know? So the message of the weekend is much more than just a boycott. The message of the weekend is, is we've had enough. Um, we want our voices amplified. We want seats around the table. We want to be part of the discussions. We want to share our experiences. And we want to make sure that there's some tangible outcomes or else the boycott will just fall flat on its face. Kick it out. It's Troy Townsend there speaking on uh, Talk Sports White and Jordan earlier on today. And he's exactly right. You know, there actually has to be action from this. It's not just that we all have a media blackout, uh, a, a social media blackout, and then nothing happens. It's really important that action is is taken. Uh, delighted to say that Crystal Palace midfielder Lee Nichols with us now on uh, Women's Football Weekly. How are you doing, Lee? Hi, yeah, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Listen, we've talked about this before. For anybody who, who doesn't know Lee, she's a midfielder for, for Crystal Palace, but an incident happened uh, to you two years ago after your phone was hacked and you've had to deal with abuse on social media as a result. You know, we, we've discussed this this blackout um, a, a few weeks ago, haven't we? And I know that you're fully behind the boycott, but what difference do you actually think it can make? Um, similar to, to what Troy's saying, I think it 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 shows that we're all coming together as sports people and we've had enough. So I don't think it will have much of an impact directly, immediately. But I think what it does show is that we as sports people, men and women, 
white people and black people were coming together now and we're standing together and we're starting to be more aware of what we're all going through. So I think it is, it's just a matter of time now before our voices are going to be heard. So I think that's the weight that this weekend does carry. Um, now, sadly, I don't think that there is going to be any immediate change that happens tomorrow morning. Um, I certainly don't, but I think it does show our intentions and our intentions, I think, are pretty clear now. Uh, yeah, highly. Uh, we've spoken before on Twitter about the abuse that you've endured and everything like that. And I just wondered if you could send a message to maybe the people that have abused not only you, but we've seen Lauren James is another high profile women's player who's been on the receiving end of it. Lots of obviously women journalists and broadcasters. What would the message be? Uh, that you could send to the people that are behind their phones and the computers and tapping this out? My my message would be pretty clear and simple. Is those people that you're abusing, we are we are human beings. We are someone's daughter. Um, we're, we're someone's sister. Um, we're someone's auntie. And we are just trying to make a positive difference to the world and we're just doing what we love. And, and you're kind of taking a large part of that away and you're dampening our experience. So all we're trying to do is do what we love, but we're not trying to aggravate you or make you angry. We just we just want to be left to it, to go make an impact. And like Lauren James, leave a bit of a legacy and, and go and achieve great things. And for me, it's like being part of that change that's happening. So it's just we're human beings. We're, we're going to make mistakes. We're, we're, not, we're not perfect all the time. So just treat us like a normal human being. That we're, we're just getting on with our jobs and we're doing what we love. And we get we're going to be judged by that. But I think it's becoming extremely personal now and it's becoming disgraceful. It, it really is. And I don't know whether uh, all of you have seen the comments from Karen Carney uh, this weekend saying that the online abuse that she suffered has changed her. And social media companies just don't understand the impact that it has. You'll remember, of course, she was the target of online abuse after that tweet by Leeds United questioned her comments uh, as a pundit and she deleted her Twitter account. But, you know, she's she's said effectively, do you want another Caroline Flack on your hands? You know, that's really strong. Obviously, the former Love Island presenter took her own life in, in February 2020 after suffering online abuse and, and, and being the focus of such negative attention and and this is the kind of thing that can happen when people are, are vulnerable i know you've spoken openly about it lee about what what happened to you and how that made you feel and i think this is the important message that people are trying to to get across that it's not just abuse that you can always push to the side or ignore or delete your twitter account and forget about it's something that that sticks with you yeah, 100%. Um, Karen Carney's story and the tweet and incident when that happened, that, that really touched me because I knew exactly the effect that it would have on her. And I think that you, you don't really understand until you've been there yourself. And I think people try really hard to understand that until you are a victim of the abuse, you, you really don't understand how difficult it is to try and see past those comments. And I thought what happened to Karen Carney was, again, disgraceful because I think she's an excellent pundit and I think a lot of male footballers and journalists and broadcasters would, would totally agree. And she made a comment and it got twisted and, and she didn't mean it with how people took it. And I think, like, we are human. Like, we are going to make mistakes. And I think it's really important that if you don't agree with those mistakes, you don't need to say much. You don't need to tune in if she, if she's talking next time. You can turn it on mute instead of you having to be ver verbally abusive and, and you doing much worse. And I think she's spot on. There is going to be another, sadly, um, cases of Caroline Flack. And that's certainly something we don't all want because I think we make enough noise when it's too late.
And I think now what we're trying to do is try and prevent any more incidents like Caroline Flat Flat, because I thought we you you seen social media when she took her life. The, the media was getting abused and whatnot. But I think, yeah, the, the media and the press can get abused for it, but it's the people making comments that are normal people in day-to-day that, that are really causing the damage. And they're allowing these platforms to then feel like they can go and print this and, and say what they want. We wait with bated breath to see what the social media companies will do and if this boycott has made a difference. I really hope it has. There have been a lot of high-profile people involved in this, organisations, etc. And perhaps the social media companies will sit up and listen. Perhaps I'm being naive thinking that they will sit up and listen, but I really hope something will have been done. It tends to be if they're hit in the pocket, then, you know, that that tends to get them to sit up. But let's see whether anything can be done and we can be talking about this in a few weeks' time that there's been some actual positive change. Uh, Lee, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Take care. Thanks for having me on. And Erin, well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Brilliant stuff. Lovely stuff. Okay, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. Alongside Erin Cuthbert and Katie Wyatt. Thanks as well to Crystal Palace's Lee Nicholl. Next, we're going to talk Championship and 2023 World Cup qualifying. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. With me, Faker Others. Erin uh, Cuthbert of Chelsea fame, now a Champions League finalist, and Katie Wyatt of The Athletic. Right, got some championship results to bring you. Leicester City lifted the title at the King Power Stadium after a 4-0 win over Charlton. Uh, Durham were 7-1 winners over Coventry United. They've had a fantastic season, haven't they, Durham, for sure. Blackburn uh, lost 2-1 to Sheffield United. Crystal Palace were 2-1 winners over Lewis and Liverpool drew 2 all with London City. Now then, earlier on last week, uh, or later on last week even, the 2023 World Cup qualifying groups were made. England and Northern Ireland drawn together in Group D, along with Austria North Macedonia, Latvia and Luxembourg. A Republic of Ireland were in Group A with Sweden, Finland, Slovakia and Georgia. Scotland, Erin Cuthbert in Group B alongside Spain, Ukraine, Hungary and the Faroe Islands. I'll ask you about that in a second. And Wales in Group I uh, against France, Slovenia, Greece, Kazakhstan and Estonia. Let's hear first of all, shall we, from the England captain Steph Horton who gave her reaction to England's group to talk sport after the draw. For us, I think it's it's a pretty tough draw. I think you look at the likes of Austria, who have done previously well in the, the last European Championships. They're, they're definitely an up-and-coming team that um, we've played quite a few times over the last few years um, and in, in previous qualifying campaigns. But um, ultimately, Northern Ireland as well, obviously great for them to qualify for the Euros um, in the playoffs. Obviously delighted for some of the girls that we've played with and against in the WSL and uh, I think when it comes to these World Cup qualifiers, you have to take, you can't take anything for granted. Ultimately, our aim is to qualify out the group. And to be honest, I can't believe we're talking about World Cup qualifiers. It seems like we're just mixing three tournaments in one. But ultimately, we're, we're happy. And um, from our point of view, we just can't wait to get going. England captain Steph Horton there. She's exactly right. It does feel a bit of a headache at the moment, doesn't it? Three three uh, tournaments going on with the Olympics and the Euros and then qualifying for the World Cup. But uh, the Games will uh, kick off in September of this year. So we've still got the Olympics in between then and, of course, then the Euros next year as well. Erin Cuthbert, how are you feeling about Scotland's group? 
I think also it's another tough group for us. Um, Spain, we've got some very good memories from the national team at the last Euros, but also some very, very bad memories um, losing out in the playoffs. Um, I wasn't part of that at the time, though. Um, but Ukraine and Hungary, you know, Ukraine have got to the playoffs against Northern Ireland, albeit got beat. Um, so that is, is a tough group for us, but I'm glad that we've only got five teams in our group. Mm. So we'll get less games and hopefully it's it's a fresh start for us because we really really wanting to be getting to that um, Women's World Cup. Yeah, less games, less travelling as well. So all uh, all bonuses uh, for sure. Uh, somebody who will be hoping to be there for England is Bethany England uh, because on Women's Football Weekly we like to pick a person, a club, organisation or an event from the world of women's football to shine our spotlight on. And this week we're hearing from England and Chelsea's Bethany England. She's been speaking to TalkSport's Bradley Hayden about how she nearly gave up the game. There's been two instances where I've I've thought about giving up. I think the first one was when I was at Doncaster Bells at a much younger age, probably more naive and just thinking the world had ended if things hadn't gone right. Um, and then equally the second one, I think, was um, when I went on loan. And um, I think everyone knows in that story, I, I like confidence, was rock bottom and I just didn't feel like I'd... I felt, I felt like I'd failed basically. And I think that's quite a hard thing to kind of turn yourself around from, but I had obviously great people around me and um, people to help me get through that time that was difficult for me and hopefully managed to show that I came out better on the other side. And since then I've obviously been able to have some great seasons, especially last year. So um, I'm hoping definitely looking forward into next season um, that things will definitely turn a corner again and, and go up from there. Yeah, I mean, on, on the back of it, you, you must be glad you decided, decided to persist of it as well, because we've spoken before about, obviously, your younger years working in a fish and chip shop. And, you know, now when you look at yourself now, you know, you, you're playing for Chelsea, you're playing for England, you know, you've won the WSL, you scored the, the winner in, in the cup final last year too. I mean, you know, you've, you've come a long way in, in really a short space of time. Yeah, I think everyone just knows me as a fish and chip player now, to be honest. It's, uh... <laughs> It's probably Sorry not the best story to have. No, you're all right. But that's, look, that's that's my story and um, that's the way it is. But yeah, I think there's, I forget that I'm, I've been in this league a long time. I started playing in the WSL when I was 16. So 10 years I've been a part of this and it feels like it's been a long journey, even though I know I'm still relatively young and I know there's plenty of years left in these legs. And um, I'm sure that I'm definitely going to be able to prove more and more and, Obviously, I'll be fighting for more and fingers crossed there's a lot more trophies to be won along the way. And I think that ultimately I'm not a quitter and there's so many great opportunities, especially with the way women's football is growing now, getting obviously the new deals next season with, I think it's uh, Sky and obviously we we have our deal with BT and um, the um, FAWSL and everything. So I think it's important that we keep striving for more for women's football and I'm honoured that I'm a part of that and I'm proud of the journey that I've had and um, I know that it's it's only going to get better from here. Brilliant stuff. Bethany England there, of course. Erin Cuthbert's uh, Chelsea teammate. Uh, lovely hearing from her there, Erin. She's been in the studio with us here on Women's Football Weekly before as well. Love the fact that she just sees herself as the fish and chip player now. Well, I'm going to slag her for that in training tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even know that as well so didn't you oh you learn everything here on women's football weekly you know that 
There we go. But yeah, like she said, she's a fighter. You know, she's had so many up and down patches. It's been it's been a really really tough time for her. I think she's been you know unlucky on a number of occasions this year. So I think for her, she's going to bounce back. You know, you can hear it in her voice how how determined she is to get back to the level she was last year. And it, it's not that she's not even there, it's that just there's so many other people who are performing and it's really, really difficult for, for a striker, but she's been doing amazing in training. She really is an unbelievable sort of professional in terms of how she conducts herself. She's the exact same person. So I think that's amazing and, you know, good things come to people. It Good things come to good people and she's certainly one of them. That's that's absolutely right. And to be honest, if you want to win a quadruple, you need strength in depth and you need people like Bethany England to pop up and score goals, Where even if it's not necessarily in the big games or she can come off from the bench and then she'll win her place back. And that's that's what happens when you've got a competitive squad and you all make each other better which is exciting for all of us neutrals, for sure. Uh, Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure, as it always is, Erin Cuthbert, to have you on the show tonight. Thank you so much, and congratulations again. We'll be rooting for you in the final, for sure. Thank you, Faith. It's nice to hear you say Champions League finalist. Oh, still not sunk in yet. I know that's your new title from now on. Love it. I thought you'd like that. Uh, Katie Wyatt, brilliant to talk to you again. Chat soon. Thank you. Bye. Awesome stuff. Right. This has been Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport. Another packed show coming up for you next week as well. A two-hour special, in fact, with a host of big names as we head to the end of the season. So make sure you join us. But a big thank you to Erin Cuthbert, Katie Wyatt, Lee Nicholl, Bethany England, producer Flo, Bradley Hayden as well. And of course, all of you as ever for listening. And don't forget, if you do miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.